You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Happy day after the trade deadline, everybody. It's like Boxing Day for NHL transactions. If you're from Canada or the UK. Congratulations, you just got that joke. This is the On the Forecheck podcast. I'm Nick Morgan. A uh, lot to talk about today, obviously. Uh, but first, let's uh, bring in my fellow Forecheck podcast co-host. First, we have the Ryan Ellis to my handsome Roman Yossi, Sean Smith. Sean. So if I'm if I'm if you're the handsome Roman Yossi and I'm Ryan Ellis, what are you implying? I'm saying you have the much bigger beard than I do, and you're okay, also like five foot nine. That's ooh, see, you got the beard right, but five nine's a stretch. Uh, it's close enough though. The the implication is there. It's fine. At one point, I lied on my driver's license and said I was five nine. There you go. How how many small children dunk over you on a daily basis? I stay away from the basketball court. Yeah. Get posterized. Yep. Don't need that in my life. Well, also today we have our fearless leader at On the Forecheck. She is the editor of On the Forecheck. Kate. Kate, how's it going? It's going pretty well, thank you. Thank you for having me on. First off, let's kind of sit back and admire how different this trade deadline was from the one we thought we were going to get. Probably not even a month ago. I mean, the Predators went from a seller's mentality in every rumor to uh, all of a sudden being a buyer at the deadline. So uh, we're going to get into kind of the overall philosophy of that a little bit later. Uh, but first, let's start off with the headline, and that is Eric Goodbranson is now a Nashville Predator. The Predators acquired him from the Ottawa Senators uh, for prospect Brandon Fortunato and a seventh round pick so Sean I'll start with you just off the cuff first thoughts on Goodbranson joining the team you know it's funny because I was leaving Bridgestone Arena um, on Sunday night after the game against Dallas and I was talking to some of the other uh, members of the media and we were saying what do you think is going to happen what what what's the potential for you know, something big happening and everyone was pretty much in agreement that nothing was going to happen. If anything, it would be some kind of Cody McLeod-esque signing. And I, I really was the one standing there going, no, there, there's no way they're going to do that. And uh, I was really shocked today when they, they actually didn't go and get a Cody McLeod type. They went and got Eric Goodbranson, who uh, clearly, um, I can't, I can't pretend anymore. Um, yeah. You know, it's a Cody McLeod type guys. Um, he, uh, He's known for fighting, um, and instead of being a forward, he's a defender. That's that's kind of the difference. Price tag on on his ends a little bit higher than a Cody McLeod as far as how much you're paying him. But I feel like uh, he's on an expiring deal. They probably won't be paying him for very long. Um, so you know, really, if you're looking at a team that's short on defenders, then they've picked up another defender, and and he can he can do 
defender things sometimes. And uh, realistically, he's going to be uh, out there skating a few games and probably punching someone or getting punched. Uh, you mentioned that you had been watching some of uh, Erica Branson's fight highlights. Does he, uh, does he typically win them? He's about 50, 50, um, you know, and you gotta, of course, if you go to hockeyfights.com, you know, people get to vote on who won. So it's not really like a, you know, set in stone, but a lot of them, you know, there's, there's, he's a lot better when he gets guys in close, he can do some damage that way. If he's going to get stretched out, then I think he he's taken a few hits, but more, more often than not, I think he's come out just fine in the fights. It's certainly He's not giving, you know, devastating, you know, blows or anything. But I just the fight I just watched is a fight against Tom Wilson. And I would say that Good Branson won that one pretty handily. Um, also, one of my one of my favorites is is he he got in a fight with Tony Batetto. And uh, that was not very, very good for Batetto. And uh, also there was a took a shot at Corey Perry as well, although it didn't last very long. I guess you would say he was. He was the winner, but um, so, he, so he's a fan favorite crazy. in Nashville now, is what you're saying. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, was definitely... I think so. That's probably where this is headed, if you want my opinion. So, <laughs> I, I feel like anyone who uh, takes a swing at Corey Perry is probably likely to become a fan favorite in Nashville. And at least, at least, if Goodranson is winning, you know, about half of his fights, that's better than. Uh, Better than some of the players the Preds have had on the roster in the past for the purpose of punching and getting punched. Austin Watson. I was yeah. going to say, are you going to go ahead and name that, or are we just going to leave that implied? Well, he's he's been a recent teammate of Eric Goodbranson, so hopefully he wasn't taking notes from Austin Watson. And Mark Borowiecki, too. So True. Apparently just all the, all the senators are just passing on their... Uh, friends and matt duchene was a senator pretty recently too and kyle turris so are the preds becoming senators south that's bad news for the national predators yeah, if they're I'm becoming senators south not sure i like this <laughs> sounds like congress is in session <laughs> <laughs> sorry god <laughs> the thing i'd ask is if the preds are senators south does that mean there's going to be six Preds that get caught on a pedal tavern secret video camera, trashing the uh, trashing the, the coaching staff. Well, I hope that's that's what I'm going to watch out for. Not just, the pedal taverns, anything but the pedal oh, tavern. So bad. Let me just ask either of you this straight up because the Twitter reaction to this trade has been all over the roof. Is anybody vehemently opposed? to getting Eric Branson. Because like it's it's not like a it's not like they offered him like a multi-year deal. It's not like they're giving up a huge asset. I mean there's basically they just brought in a guy who's probably gonna be sixth or seventh defenseman at best. Yeah, I, I don't have a problem with it. It's fine. It is what it is. I don't I don't love it as an acquisition. I mean it's fine on its own. I'm not you know he is on an expiring contract they did give up a seventh round pick two years from now, which the odds the odds of any given seventh round pick turning into an NHL player are not great. We all think of the exceptions. Um, 
And so it's not that they paid too much for Goodbranson. It's not that he's likely to be in the system forever. Um, But I don't, I'm not thrilled with the fact that they have Ference, they have Allard, um, they have possibly some additional players who uh, who might be able to contribute in future. And they have all of these, you know, they played seven defenders the last couple of games. Um, someone, it's, it's very, it, it's not like they have, they've had a lot of injuries on defense, but I don't, I don't know that picking up another guy to give them another excuse not to play a lard um, or as players start coming back from injury, Davies or Carrier or any of any of the other players who might who might be getting a chance who have potential. But the devil's advocate to that, though, is you mentioned it. It's you. It's a case of you kind of know what you're going to get from Eric Branson. You don't really know what you're going to get from somebody like Allard and Davies, uh, a little bit of a more high ceiling than anybody else. We've you don't know what you're going to get with them, and yeah, that's that's can be a positive, but at the same time, you're in the playoff hunt and this might not be the opportunity for testing. You know, Erica Branson is Erica Branson. He's, he's not going to be a high end player, but at at least, you know what you're going to get out of him. And yeah, I mean, I know he's not like a darling all around player, but I mean, Tampa Bay last year won a cup with a combination of Zach Bogosian, Luke Shen and Kevin Shattenkirk. And I'll say this too, you know, speaking of Tampa Bay, you have to look realistically if, if the Predators are headed toward the playoffs, they're headed toward the fourth seed. And if they're going in on the fourth seed, they're playing the first seed. And there's a really strong chance that that's going to be Tampa Bay. So say you're in a position where you get Borowiecki back and you, you're expecting him to play a certain style of hockey going into those playoffs. If Borowiecki gets hurt again and you're playing a very tough physical game, you probably don't want to bring Ference in because that's giving him a better opportunity to get injured playing a, a style of game that he's not really known for playing while the rest of the the Lightning are, are ready to play that kind of game. You're bringing in Ference, and you're going to have to look to make sure that he's not getting in any, you know, kind of crushing hit situation that you don't want to have happen to him. So you bring in someone like Branson who you know can step in and fill that role. I mean, Olivier's out. I think he's going to be out for a while. So you've got to have somebody else that can come in and, if you listen to what Hines said the other day, you know, when someone comes out, they try to bring in a similarly styled player. So you've got uh, Tanner Janot to, to fill that role for Olivier right now, as far as I'm concerned. But then if you look on the defensive side, you know, that third pairing has been a, a much heavier, more, you know, physical player. And so if someone goes out and you don't have someone else to put in and you're left with Ference or or somebody else, then I think you kind of you need to go to someone like Good Branson to make sure that you're filling that same role and they can play that same style of game. I do wonder. Um, I do wonder what Poyle's take on the various reasons uh, was. I know that he had planned going in 
to to really do that youth movement. Some of it was probably Mikhail Granlund being willing to come back and re-sign when he'd started the uh, the off season, intending to check out the uh, the free agency market. But there were a bunch of other additions as well, and I do kind of wonder what the the organizational philosophy there actually was deciding yeah let's let's make this trade let's make this signing let's get these guys in to fill out the roster now yeah i mean uh, i think it might just be like a combination of grandland maybe willing to come back you know i don't think they anticipated that you know i also just think you know at the time, Poyle said that he had absolutely no idea what the season was going to look like. I mean, let's be honest. I don't think any of us did. And then, uh, so, you know, I think the unpredictability, you know, the expanded rosters also probably played a part in that. I think, too, you know, you, you mentioned not knowing whether or not Granlin was going to come back. I mean, it, it seemed like, you know, he had to offer something up in case he didn't really have any irons in the fire that were going to come to fruition. And then, you of course turn around and then you've get you get Granlin and then you get Hollow pretty soon after. Um, so then that that shifts that whole focus away from youth very, very quickly. And I mean, you know, you did have Luke Cunning. And so, you know, he's young. I think a lot of people forget that he is a part of that youth movement too. So I mean, it's it's almost like, you know, it's it's a hybrid. And I, I guess realistically, it sounded like a good plan. And then when it didn't happen, a lot of people were I think more people than they had anticipated kind of, you know, had that outcry of being ready for the youth movement. And, you know, I'll count myself among that group too. Um, and I know I got a little bit more excited about uh, Borowiecki and Benning than I probably needed to, but um, you know, even that looked like a big improvement from the, uh, what we'd been subjected to with Tenorti and, and Irwin and Weber and, and that whole, that whole gang. So I don't necessarily think that it was, you know, like you said, it's something that sounded good when he said it, but at the same time, realistically, um, it was kind of like, this is my backup plan and I think I'm going to have to go with it. So I'm just going to put it out there and if something changes, it changes and it, it did change. And so, you know, it was a little bit of a change, but nothing, nothing crazy. It just kind of delayed the inevitable, I think. So here's a, uh, here's a very quick question, kind of a general question. David Poyle deciding to buy not sell off some of the expiring contracts. Right call, yes or no? Um, I don't I feel like he made a good point when he talked about the uh the development of the current roster and the young players. I don't want this young group to get in the habit of thinking of expecting failure. Um because we've seen rosters where that happens and uh taylor hall's played on a lot of them and it it hasn't really worked out for any of them and and, what, a, uh, what a year for taylor hall huh seriously um so i don't i don't want the preds to turn into a team where kids come up and fail and struggle and expect failure Uh, Because I don't think that for long-term success, that's a good plan. And I don't, you know, it is working out pretty well for the young players right now. But on the other hand, I don't see this roster, 
even if they do make the playoffs, and like Poyle said, it's it's a little early to be considering whether they're a cup contender when they're not even a lock for the uh, the postseason at all. But I mean, if if UC Saros stays playing absolutely out of this world like he currently is, then yeah, they can probably go as far as he can take them. But that's that's about that's about as far. I look at. I mean, maybe maybe when Forsberg gets back, Tolvanen gets back, Duchesne gets back. I know they're missing a lot of high-end talent. Um, and maybe those players with, with the new attitude, with the new resilience, um, with the new things that we've seen over the last however many games since, uh, since they turned the season around, maybe that that group of personnel is able to do better than I'm expecting. But they haven't, there has not been any point this season to me when they have looked like a real threat for the, uh, for the cop. It's never, hasn't looked like they're going to go that far. So Maybe. Well, and, and here, here's the thing, and obviously, as a fan, you want to see the Preds make the playoffs. You want to see them keep winning. You, you, know, you want them to win every game. That's just what you want to see as a fan. But to me, playoffs right now are a secondary goal to you just want to see this team play well down the stretch. You want to see some of these players like the Carriers, like Tolvanen, like Rem Pitlick. You want to see them come in and play well the rest of the season. You want to see them adjust to NHL. And, you know, I, I can pass that on to somebody like Ryan Johansson, too, somebody who has had a very up and down, you know, past year or so in Nashville. He's on a streak right now. You want to see him step up in that number one role and start playing very well down the stretch, which he has been. I definitely think you want to focus on playing well. I don't necessarily know that you have to make the playoffs. If you, if you're focused on playing well and you're doing it well enough, you probably will, at least at this stage of the game. So there's, there's nothing wrong with saying, well, let's do the best we can make it to the playoffs and see what happens. If what happens is you get bounced in the first round, Hey, better to make the playoffs and leave in the first round than to not make the playoffs at all. You know, there's no play in this year. There's no qualifying round. So, you know, we technically, didn't make the playoffs last season. So it would be a big step forward to make them this season and kind of give you something, you know, positive to build off of for next season when you do start making a lot of trades and then having a lot of situations, you know, where you're going to um, start seeing the roster change and shifting toward more of the youth. You know, to, to me, I think the Predators fan base sometimes gets themselves worked up and, you know, they, and that's not, you know, I don't mean that personally against the group of fans. I just think sometimes it's like, oh, they're not going to do well. They're going to get bounced in the first round. I'd rather just, you know, tank and get a good draft pick than just get bounced in the first round and be in purgatory and blah, 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 blah. And, and to me, that's, no, you, you want your team to do well. You want your team to get in the playoffs because they could beat Tampa Bay. I mean, Columbus beat Tampa Bay, and that was supposed to be the best team in the NHL in the past 20 years. Nick, let me ask you a question. 
All right. You said sometimes the fan base this. Do you do you consider yourself a part of the fan base? Yeah. So let me I, mean, I think but I think all of us do. Well, yeah, no, I do for sure. So let me ask you a follow-up question. So in in your personal opinion as a fan, take take everything else out of the equation and and understand that you're a fan, you're living in the moment, but you also have to have an eye on the future. Would you rather make the playoffs this year? Yes. Okay. So if you if you can go ahead and say that you'd rather make the playoffs, which I think I think we're all in that boat right now. Um, I don't think any of us want to tank, right? Anybody in the tank boat? No, I don't think anybody should be in the tank boat. Well, I don't think anybody should be, but there are people who are in the tank boat. But so you're not in the tank boat, you know? Do you want to realistically? Do you want to play Tampa Bay, or do you hope that maybe you get Florida or Carolina? Like I said, I don't. I think whatever team you play is going to be a tough first round matchup. If the Predators make the playoffs, they're probably going to be in fourth place, just because you know Tampa, Carolina, and Florida are so far ahead of everybody else. Um, so I mean, at that point, it's you know what what's the difference? You're going to be playing a good team. You're going to be playing a team who's probably on a hot run, um, but. If the Predators make the playoffs, that also probably means they're on a hot run. So, you know, why not just put them out there for seven games and see if somebody like UC Soros can steal it? Um, I feel like I think there's a chance, solid chance, that the Carolina Hurricanes could finish first in the division. And I don't like that matchup for the Preds. I would rather I would rather see Tampa than Carolina. Um it just, it feels, I, I know that the lightning are the lightning, but it feels like the Preds are going to have a harder time against the Hurricanes if they make the playoffs and if that's the matchup they get. I don't um, disagree with you there. And, you know, I, I know that the idea is if you get in the playoffs, you want to go on a run you're going to have to face better teams at some point. Why not right away? But at the same time, it would it would be nice to see them get a more favorable matchup in the first round, just because I think it would be good for the fan base as well as the players to uh, to see them win a series for the first time in several years. And I feel like the chances of that are lower against Carolina than against some of the other teams. I, I think realistically against Tampa Bay, I think that's the team out of those three that they, whose skin they can get under the most easily. And Tampa Bay can get thrown off of their game when they do that. And, and you kind of saw that the other night. You know, the one thing that kind of slipped under the radar for that whole David uh, Poyle press conference um, so somebody had asked him about how the expansion draft played a role kind of in his decision as the deadline. He flat out said he is not, he, this quote was quote, I'm not losing Matthias Eckholm in expansion. You know, that was kind of a big thing considering Matthias Eckholm has kind of been in a lot of trade rumors. A lot of people were kind of wondering, maybe he's going to be left unprotected, I mean, as far as as far as the question of Matthias Ekholm in the expansion draft goes, looking at the list of forwards who are eligible to be taken by Seattle, which which three of them do you protect over Matthias Ekholm? You know, it's if you're going for if you're going eight skaters, which 
practically speaking, is four and four, or if you're going seven and three, you know, do the Preds really have seven forwards who are all a better choice than protecting four defenders? And I hate to say it, it's been five years, has it been five years? Four years since the last expansion draft, and it's ridiculous that they're still in this place. But I'm I'm looking at that list and I don't know I don't know if there are for sure seven forwards who are worth protecting at the risk of losing a defender again. I, I don't think there are, and, and that may be a little bit controversial, but you know, one of the other things that Poyle said was that he had a plan for that. He didn't he didn't say, you know, um we're just going to make sure it happens. I think, I think maybe he's already had some, some conversations and it's entirely possible that, you know, and, and what we've talked about before is having one of those big $8 million contracted uh, centers, you know, happen to get picked up elsewhere. And I wonder just, you know, is there a chance that he's already got something worked out and he's going to leave one of them exposed and he's got a deal in place for them to be taken. Could that be a reality? I mean, that would make it a lot easier, I think, to say we're going to make sure we we protect four defenders and only four forwards. You know, the other option, we've talked about how bad the draft is this year. You know, is this is this a year where David Poyles may be more willing to move a draft pick or an asset to keep four defensemen or to keep your top four? You know, I think it's totally within the realm of possibility, that especially considering – what we've heard so much about this draft coming up is that you, you know, Poyle may be willing to make some kind of trade with one of those draft picks in order to avoid having to lose Matias Ekholm. So I don't necessarily think it's it's a situation where you know it's it's we're we're just going to let somebody go in order to keep him, or we're going to sacrifice all these other people at the at, at the expense of keeping Ekholm. But you definitely have to think, you know, Poyle does know what he's doing as much flack as he's gotten from everybody about it. Um, You know, I mean, he's well aware of what everybody's saying, what everybody's thinking. And he made a big reference to that and that availability today. So I think, I think he will surprise us when it comes to how he deals with this, even though he, he didn't really say much about it and kind of went straight to the Ekholm talk. I think a lot of that may have been just to, to divert attention away from the fact that not much was done. And if you look at it from that perspective, he maybe played a little bit of, you know, showed one of his cards and said, you know, look, we're going to be doing some shenanigans when it comes down to the um, comes down to the expansion draft and just hide and watch. Well, certainly a a lot of possibilities. Uh, We will uh, have to see because I have a feeling this is going to be a very interesting two months or so in the, uh, the grand road of the Nashville Predators. Uh, Right now, we're going to take a quick break, but as always, a little bit of trivia to lead you into the next break. You guys ready? 100% ready. I am ready. Seven players have been acquired by the Predators in deals involving the Predators giving up a first-round pick. How many of those seven players have re-signed with the Predators at any point. I'll give you a second to think about it. 
We'll come back after a break. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, As we went to break, we had a trivia question for you. Seven players have been acquired by the Predators in trades involving the Predators giving up a first-round pick. How many of those seven re-signed with the Preds at any point? I'm going to say one, and I I bet they didn't re-sign after their contract was up. I bet they got traded or something and then came back and signed to finish out their career. I can only think of, I believe four of those seven players at all. Um, Only one of those that I can think of, um, Paul Gostad, I believe re-signed after after being acquired. So at least one, but uh, probably not more than three is my answer. Kate, you got it exactly right. Three is the right answer. So it was Mike Fisher re-signed Paul Gostad and the last one was Ryan Hartman everybody kind of forgot about that Ryan Hartman signed a one-year deal as a restricted free agent after the Preds gave up a first-round pick for him I did forget that Hartman was one of the one of the four that I was thinking of but I forgot that he did re-sign uh Brendan Witt Peter Forsberg Mike Santarelli and Cody Franzen uh the Preds had absolutely no use for you so uh, let's move on to the broad scope. Uh, it wasn't, it wasn't a very active deadline compared to maybe the past couple of years. Uh, but there were a couple of good volume of trades, uh, over the past 72 hours or so. Sean, I'll start with you. What was the one trade that kind of stuck out for you today? Well, I, <laughs> I was really, I don't want to say surprised because I figured that he would end up somewhere, but I was really surprised at how much salary Buffalo was willing to retain on uh, Taylor Hall. Yeah, if you listen to Taylor Hall or Kevin Adams, the Buffalo Sabres GM, during their press conference today, it became very clear that that was far from the best deal on the table. It was just a case of Taylor Hall saying, you know what, I want to go to Boston and I'm going to use this no trade clause to make it happen. I think that's fair. I, you know, you you have to think he weaponized that against them, and I think it uh, it kind of, I guess, could you say it worked out in his favor because he got sent to somewhere he wanted to. He was more than willing to go, and even if the price didn't really, you know, work out the way Buffalo wanted, that was his one bargaining chip, and he used it. And I mean, Taylor Hall's been in the league for. I think over a decade at this point and he has spent it on terrible team after terrible team after terrible team and all of those teams have been um, as one Boston writer pointed out this afternoon this is the first team that Taylor Hall has ever played on where they're not expecting him to be a superhero yeah and I think that's something Taylor Hall even flat out said today he said that you know, I he said I really have no intention of being the guy. Just he just wanted to be like another solid player. 
And he said that wasn't the case in Buffalo. That wasn't the case in New Jersey. You know, so he's probably, you know, looking at Boston's jump chart, maybe the fourth option, you know, fifth, maybe. I would, yeah, if you encounter David Krejci, but he is, you know, he's, he's going to have a chance to play with some good players and I think really maximize himself. So that's good for him. I mean, Buff, and that's, if that's where he wanted to wind up. Um, Kate, from a trade standpoint, was there one move that stood out to you maybe about more than rest, even either from a standpoint of, oh, that was a surprising move or, oh, this is a good fit? Um, there was there was that actual hockey trade between the Capitals and the Red Wings with uh, where the Capitals acquired Anthony Mantha and the Red Wings acquired a bunch of additional pieces. Um, so that that stood out as kind of unusual to see on uh, trade deadline day where you can actually, usually it's one team selling, one team buying. Um, but here it, it really did look like it was something that could work for both teams. Um, but the thing that I found myself wondering about the most was the, uh, the Montreal Canadiens were really the only Canadian team that kept picking up players from the, uh, the U.S. side of the border. Uh, so for, for whatever reason, they're not as worried about the, uh, the additional quarantine period as the other Canadian teams seem to be. And that was, that was something that seemed interesting and like I'd like to know more about than I currently do. Well, how about this as a follow-up question? Was there one team in the Central Division that you think got exponentially better? So, okay, you know, and you say exponentially better, you mean this season? Or do you mean better setup for the future? Uh, either. Well, I think Detroit got set up pretty well for the future. I 100% agree with you on that. Yeah, I mean, that you're just you're starting to see Iserman do what Iserman wants to do, and he's just kind of having his way with the other GMs. <laughs> Here's the funny thing, is not one person has mentioned David Savard to Tampa yet. Depth defense was like the one Achilles heel for Tampa this year. And didn't they just address that? Well, they definitely addressed it. I think, you know, it kind of remains to be seen what his impact's going to be because you actually do start looking at stats a little bit more when players start going to new teams instead of just saying, oh, well, he seems like he's really good. The eye test is enough when they're on their own team. But now that this team's giving up something to get them, well, let's see what their impact actually has been. And so, it, you know, yes, he's been a, he's proven himself useful, but let's see what happens when he actually starts playing with them. I think also, I mean, depth defense rarely. I'm not saying it never, but depth defense rarely seems like it's uh, from the outside. It never really looks like a make or break thing. It might it might prove to be the case as the. Uh, the attrition of the playoffs goes on that having Savard is going to be absolutely critical to the lightning, but looking at their roster now, he's not, he's not a top 10 impactful player on, on their roster on paper. So it's hard to, it's hard to look at that trade and say, yeah, that's it. That's exactly what they needed. Even if it actually turns out to be the case, just, just in sheer terms of, you know, this wasn't someone picking up the guy. 
this wasn't a huge deadline acquisition. It was filling in a, a small gap. True, but on a team with not a lot of gaps, I mean, that certainly solidifies them. I mean, it's not like a Barclay Goodrow or Blake Coleman last year, but I mean, you know, Zach Bogosian helped him down the stretch. So it oh, could yeah, be that agreed. kind of move. And let's also not forget about Tampa Bay. Uh, they are going to have maybe the biggest acquisition, and that is getting Nikita Kucherov off of injured reserve. There's certainly a lot to watch out for, uh, both for the Preds and for the NHL. Uh, we are less, really about now less than a month away from the end of the NHL regular season. This should be a very interesting month or so around the NHL. And of course, we're going to be here every step of the way. Uh, Sean, you want to tell the good people where they can find you online? Oh, goodness. Well, you can go to the twitter.com and you can find me at S-C-S-O-T-F. Um, you can find me at on the forecheck. And of course, if you are interested in listening to me on the radio, you can hear me on WNSR in the morning. So every game day morning, um, which if you're in the area, it's a 590 a.m. Or you can stream it from their website live, or it's all there on SoundCloud at the website as well. Kate, where can people find you? Um, I am intermittently found on Twitter at Stats with Kate. Um, I have not been spending as much time on social media during this uh, pandemic season. But when when I am, that's where I am. That or running the on the forecheck Twitter. And I'm Nick Morgan. You can find me at underscore NS Morgan. Uh, you can also find all my work at on the And that's it for us tonight. Thank you, everybody, for listening in. Obviously, a lot to talk about. Uh, should be a lot of stuff going on this week. So make sure you're uh, staying tuned to on the forecheck for all kinds of fun updates this week. Take it easy.